Former Vice President Al Gore wins the Nobel Prize, but is it for peace or propaganda? Also, we'll get an update from Texas Congressman Ted Poe on a Supreme Court case that will determine who controls our criminal justice system, the state or the UN. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire. We will not falter. And we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. Tipper and I will go to Oslo and... I will accept this uh, award on behalf of all of those who have been working so long and so hard to try to get the message out about this planetary emergency. Former Vice President Al Gore, producer and director of An Inconvenient Truth, he's won the Nobel Peace Prize. You've got to wonder what kind of a plane he is going to take to Oslo. Will it be a private jet or is he going to fly commercial uh, noted climatologist Timothy Ball has said that an inconvenient truth is, uh, it's not worthy of a peace prize. It's actually a wonderful piece of propaganda. Perhaps Al Gore should have gotten the propaganda prize, uh, Nobel Prize. Timothy Ball says it would fail a grade 10 science project. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later with uh, Mark Morano. He is our frequent expert, frequent guest on Jerry Johnson Live as we discuss uh, this honor that's been bestowed on Al Gore. He said today in his first public comments since winning the Peace Prize that now is the time to elevate global consciousness about the challenges of global warming. I'm, of course, deeply honored to receive this award. I want to thank the uh, Nobel Committee and it is uh, even more significant because I have the honor of sharing it with the IPCC, which is the world's preeminent scientific body focused on improving our understanding of the climate crisis. The IPCC is the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Uh, a lot of scientists disagree with the position of the IPCC, but they've come, been coming out over the years with more and more what they call evidence for global warming. And I think this Peace Prize will advance the cause of uh, global warming. Kathy Zoy, who is CEO for Alliance for Climate Protection, says this is a remarkable day on two major fronts. She says it's a tribute to Al Gore and also the health of the planet. Today marks two things. One, the most important recognition for the most important guy on the most important issue, which is the climate crisis. Two, I hope that it focuses attention on how we all need to come together in the United States and around the world on addressing the crisis. 
And uh, according to uh, certain groups, that is exactly what we need to do is come together. Perhaps that's why they call it a peace prize uh, for Al Gore, because he's bringing the planet together, at least certain um, certain leaders, to say that we all need to give up our liberties and our money to fight uh, global warming. Well, former President Jimmy Carter won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2002. He was the last American to win it or share it. And uh, he says he's glad Al Gore is getting this kind of recognition. He's brought a much-needed message to the entire world, and uh, he's been a, a glorious champion for the environment long before he became famous with his recent movie and all. I heard one talk show host last night saying he hoped Al Gore got the Peace Prize because it just shows uh, what the Nobel Prize is all about. I mean, Yasser Arafat, uh, the Palestinian Authority, got it a few years ago, and then Jimmy Carter getting it, and now Al Gore. So uh, that sort of shows you what the Nobel Peace Prize has become. Uh, Jimmy Carter went on to say that nobody deserves the Nobel more than Gore. He's recognized nation world, in fact, worldwide, as the preeminent voice for protecting the environment. And uh, Rush Limbaugh had something to say about it on his program today. He says Al Gore didn't deserve it. I call on Albert Arnold Al Gore to redirect his Nobel Peace Prize to genuine agents of peace. The idea that he shares this with some U.N. committee is doubly laughable. It's interesting. Uh, uh, Czech President Václav Klaus, who is really a voice of reason on global warming, says he's surprised uh, that Al Gore got this peace prize. He says the relationship between his activities, that's Al Gore's activities, and world peace is unclear and indistinct. And, uh, of course, some people have said uh, tongue-in-cheek that it's really the uh, Nobel Propaganda Prize. Well, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit later in the program, as I said, we will talk with Mark Morano on this. He always brings a voice of reason. He is from the uh, U.S. Senate Committee on the Environment and Public Works. And also, uh, Congressman Ted Poe of Texas, we spoke with him earlier this week. He's going to rejoin us. He's going to bring us an update from this week's Supreme Court proceedings. He was there at the U.S. Supreme Court and uh, answered the question, at least in his mind, will the court protect Texas's right to execute murderers, or is this going to be up to the United Nations? This is this Jose Medellin case where uh, this uh, illegal Mexican uh, immigrant, basically, he lived here since he was young, but he was a, he's a Mexican citizen, 14 years ago raped and murdered a little girl, and uh, he was actually uh, given the death penalty. But the U.N. says that uh, we cannot uh, execute this guy here in the state of Texas. The Bush administration used to be siding with Texas. Now they're siding with the U.N. This has gone all the way to the Supreme Court, has major implications, and we are going to talk with Congressman Poe about that. Also, uh, KCBI correspondent Chris Howell is on the scene in Arlington. You may have heard about this case. Uh, Three People are dead, and there is a suspect surrounded in Arlington, Texas. This man is believed to have fatally shot his wife and her two children, and he is holding police at bay at this moment in Arlington. KCBI will continue to report on this. Uh, The police, though, said the incident began this afternoon after this man dropped off his three-year-old daughter at Mayfield Road Baptist Church in Arlington. She was covered in blood, but apparently not injured. He told people at the church that he'd committed a crime in Fort Worth 
and uh, he said he just killed some people and was going to kill some more. And uh, this is a matter for prayer as uh, police right now are uh, on the scene. And Chris Howell will continue to report on KCBI. So just stay tuned uh, to KCBI for further updates on that situation. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's go back uh, for a moment to talk just about this absurd award that has actually been uh, bestowed on our former Vice President Al Gore. Some people say, of course, this is going to push him back into the presidential race, and we can talk about that a little bit later in the program and uh, even get you to weigh in on it a little bit later. But uh, here's Al Gore in an excerpt from his climate change documentary, and this is really the reason he's getting this award. He won an Academy Award for An Inconvenient Truth. If you look at the 10 hottest years ever measured, they've all occurred in the last 14 years. And the hottest of all was 2005. Well, that's been disproven, as we've discussed here on the program. Uh, The U.N. had a little bit of egg on its face. Uh, It came back and had to uh, give some other statistics that showed the hottest uh, the hottest year on the planet was not 2005. Uh, It may have been 1934. Uh, according to uh, some uh, more updated (laughs) numbers and statistics. But uh, we also reported earlier on this uh, report from Great Britain that uh, a judge there has said that Al Gore's movie, An Inconvenient Truth, cannot be shown in schools without some sort of a disclaimer saying that uh, there are scientific inaccuracies, and it's pointed out nine such inaccuracies. Here's CNN meteorologist Rob Marciano. He was pretty happy about hearing this. He said, finally. Here's his comments. Finally. Somebody. So you you don't agree? Oh, there are definitely some inaccuracies. And, you know, the Oscars, they give out awards for fictional films as well. And uh, last night, uh, actually, I think it was last night or maybe even this morning, uh, host Glenn Beck mentioned that Al Gore didn't actually have a chance of losing this because, after all, he was only running against a woman who saved 2,500 Jewish children from the ovens, but Al Gore gets the Peace Prize. Uh, It's actually pretty amazing. But I think what this is is really uh, the... um, powers that be and the global socialists have coalesced around this whole idea that the planet is warming, that the leaders of all the nations of the world have to get together and uh, place some rules, uh, strictures on businesses uh, to operate in a certain way, sort of to lower uh, their uh, productivity as they um, as they grow as nations, and what this will really do will be uh, hurt, hurting some of the world's poor, because some of the developing countries are the ones who are actually polluting the most. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are living in a crazy world, and the White House has actually said it's very happy for Al Gore's Nobel Peace Prize. They've been uh, very polite in saying that uh, it's, you know, congratulations to Al Gore. But uh, as I said, there is really a sense that this is some propaganda. Well, let's go back and hear uh, Al Gore and basically some of the, um, the statements that he has made today with regard to his thoughts on uh, global warming. And uh, let's go to uh, Al Gore number three, Jim. Oh, there was a um, report from part of the scientific community about the accelerated melting of the North Polar ice cap. Uh, now, unbelievably, they tell us that unless we act with great urgency, 
the entire North Polar ice cap could be gone in less than 23 years. You know, when, they, when people use the word they, you have to wonder who they are referring to. And uh, Al Gore, of course, is referring to the scientists that he's handpicked, uh, certain people who have the opinion that we may lose the North Polar ice cap because of global warming. But there are many scientists that say that's not the case. Of course, Al Gore goes on to say this is just the, uh, quote unquote, tip of the iceberg. I could give you hundreds of other examples of how the alarm bells are going off in the scientific community. The alarm bells are going off in the minds of a a judge in Great Britain also who listed nine errors in the Inconvenient Truth movie. And these are not only in the movie, but they are uh, statements that Al Gore continues to make as he speaks all over the world about global warming. Of course, one of them that's been famous is Al Gore said that a sea level rise of up to 20 feet would be caused by the melting of ice sheets in the near future. And uh, we've gone back, and uh, Dr. Johnson has talked about this uh, many times, that uh, the real truth is that the, uh, the, uh, the rise would be between 6, 4 to 6, and 17 inches max. Uh, another one of the errors that's been pointed out uh, in Great Britain, low-lying Pacific atolls have already been evacuated. The judge went back. Uh, to the science and said there's no evidence of any evacuation of these uh, quote-unquote low-lying little islands in the Pacific. Also, another error, the Gulf Stream that warms up the Atlantic would shut down. Judge saying, Judge in Great Britain saying it was very unlikely that it would shut down in the future. It might slow down, but it probably won't shut down. Uh, Later in the program, Mark Morano is going to join us to talk about uh, these graphs that show a dramatic rise in carbon dioxide and a a commensurate rise in the temperature over the next, uh, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of years. He's going to give us the real truth about this as he joins us a little bit later in the program. There's so much that we could say about global warming, and we continue to try to bring you the truth here on uh, Jerry Johnson Live. Uh, But today I think Al Gore is uh, getting his day in the sun, and I suppose we can let him have that, but I think we need to continue to communicate the truth about this agenda, lest it cost us, especially uh, after the next election cycle. Well, ladies and gentlemen, next up we are going to talk about what happened in the United States Supreme Court and uh, what our friend Congressman Ted Poe thinks the justices did. Uh, Roberts, the Chief Justice, actually let the oral arguments go a half hour longer than normal because he was so interested in this case. I think it's because the U.S. Supreme Court could actually lose some of its rights and its power if the U.N. gets more rights. We'll talk about that right after this. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. 
Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. The planet has a fever. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll take your calls later in the program. The number is 800-881-9270. We want to know what you uh, think about Al Gore's uh, being awarded the uh, Nobel Peace Prize today. Does he deserve it? Uh, What about the science in an inconvenient truth? We'll talk about that later in the program, but right now we want to give you an update. The Bush administration went before the U.S. Supreme Court this week. And they were seeking to overturn the death penalty, and this was at the behest of the International Court of Justice, which is a division of the United Nations. It's amazing how much this week we have been talking about the encroaching power of the U.N. And uh, Texas Solicitor General Ted Cruz argued on behalf of the state court system here in Texas and its death penalty said it's very unusual to be litigating against the United States government along with this uh, Medellin, who's not even a citizen of the United States. So it's all very interesting. And with us to bring an update, he was with us earlier in the week to explain the case, is U.S. Representative Ted Poe of the 2nd District in Texas. And Representative Poe, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Pena. You were in the Supreme Court today, and from what I read, the arguments went on a half hour longer than usual. Uh, Did you get a sense that the justices just didn't feel they had enough information? It was very interesting because uh, Chief Justice Roberts seldom ever lets the arguments pass their time limit. But he did add time to both sides. Uh, all of the justices uh, were very vocal in, in their questions to both sides. Uh, it was very, I think, heated to some extent, the questioning. And the court seems to me to be very divided on this, uh, several issues that were presented before them. We explained the case earlier, but I think we probably need to go over it again, uh, Representative Poe. I so appreciate you joining us again. But what this is about is a 14-year-old crime, and the criminal uh, was not a citizen of the United States. He was actually a citizen from Mexico, but lived here many years, committed murder, committed rape, admitted it, uh, was sentenced, and then all of a sudden, tell us what happened. Well, he confessed and bragged about the killing of these two uh, teenage girls, uh, brutalized them, uh, they were sexually assaulted, uh, stomped on them, and strangled them to make sure that they were dead. Uh, He confessed uh, about the crime. He was tried, got the death penalty. He appealed the case, went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court upheld the conviction. Ten years after the trial... He then said, oh, by the way, I should have been allowed under international law to talk to my consulate from Mexico. He was a Mexican national. He was technically illegally in the United States. Uh, And uh, he went to the International Court of Justice uh, in The Hague. Uh, Mexico sued the United States. Uh, The World Court ruled in favor of Mexico. Uh, And uh, that's when it gets, uh, to me, somewhat uh, ironic. Uh, The president came in on behalf of Mexico and uh, ordered the Texas courts to uh, review the case in light of this uh, world court decision and overturn the conviction, uh, reconsider it, Uh, and the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, the highest criminal court in Texas, uh, ruled that 
in all due respect to the president, he has no jurisdiction over the Texas courts or any other court to do anything. And so they upheld the conviction. They found that the failure, if this Medellin had the right to talk to some uh, consulate under international law, not Texas law or American law, uh, he didn't suffer any harm or prejudice by not uh, talking to the consulate. So they upheld the conviction, and then the Supreme Court now is reviewing uh, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals decision upholding the conviction. Okay, Congressman Poe, can I ask you what President Bush signed? Because everybody's saying, okay, President Bush at some point signed some sort of a treaty with the U.N. or some provision, and that's why we're in this battle in the court. In 1963, the United States entered into the Veneva uh, Vienna Convention and signed an agreement uh, on this issue. Uh, now, it's debatable and has been ever since how enforceable the United States was bound by this treaty. Since this case came down, the president has withdrawn the United States as a signator uh, to this agreement of consulate notification. So it doesn't even apply to us anymore. Uh, and that whole issue of whether we're bound by it or not was one of the issues before the Supreme Court. Do Texas courts have to be bound by international rulings of, of the world court. That's Representative Poe, when you heard the arguments, how did you think it was going? I mean, if you could guess right now, do you think that the court would uh, rule in favor of the state rather than the United Nations? It's hard to say, Penna. I think the court is evenly divided on this issue. Uh, it, it may end up being a 5-4 decision, and Justice Kennedy may be the swing vote, as he has been in several cases. Uh, that's kind of the way I see it. That's why the, it was very heated among the justices, because they uh, seemed to have their minds made up. Of course, couldn't tell what Justice So did Kennedy you have thought. your focus like a laser on Justice Kennedy? Did you see any body language there? I was watching him very carefully because of that very reason. But he was, he, he was not showing his cards. You couldn't tell what he thought because he asked pointed questions to both sides. So he, was hard, he could not tell how he felt. Representative Poe, lots of people might wonder why we've spent so much time on this Medellin case. Is this because we, you know, we've had this focus on illegal immigration? But that's not the reason. The reason is because we're worried about our laws and our constitution in this country. We see them threatened. And I think the Supreme Court justices, and correct me if I'm wrong, may have seen their own power threatened uh, with this case. What do you think? That's really the issue. Which, which is more supreme in this country? the laws of the Constitution and the Supreme Court's decision-making power or the world court decision and the United Nations, uh, really, authority. And that's, that was one of the issues and is one of the issues that faces the Supreme Court. How they decide this case will affect uh, the sovereignty, really, of the country and the Constitution and the judicial branch of the government. I'm going to let folks weigh in uh, on this case. If they have a question to ask Representative Poe here in the last remaining seg- uh, minutes of this segment, the number is 800-881-9270. And, uh, Congressman, I also want to ask you about global warming, because since Al Gore got the Peace Prize today and there's a lot of buzz about it, you're in Congress. What kind of mood do you see with regard to passing laws that would cause us to deal with global warming in this country? Well, Global warming, um, you know, that's, that's the hot topic. Uh, and, of course, there's a lot of taxpayer money that is being appropriated for studying global warming, preventing it, more federal regulations on what we can do and what we can't do. Uh, 
I remember in 1974, the issue was we're all going to freeze uh, because mm-hmm. of all the Global articles cooling. down about the new ice age. And I presented some of those articles on the House floor. Uh, I'm not convinced that global warming, uh, if it occurs, there's anything we can, we can do about it. But, if, you know, it's a, it's a cycle tor- sort of thing. The science is still out on this. Uh, I don't think it's a fact, as uh, as uh, uh, some say. So I'm very concerned about the government being involved in telling us how we are to conduct our lives because the government, basically our government, believes that global warming is man's fault, and it is occurring. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're taking your calls. Uh, with us on the line is Representative Ted Poe of Texas, and also calling in is Pauline from Cleburne. Pauline, you're on with Congressman Poe. Uh, well, uh, what I don't understand is uh, what this court case is. What part of illegal do people not understand from other countries? And our justice system is what sets us apart from the rest of the world. So this international court does not even should not have anything to say about our justice system. Any comments, Congressman? Of course, I agree with you totally, especially in this case. After seeing the world court decision, uh, that the, the defendant. Medellin, one of the most brutal cases in even Texas history, uh, got a got a very I mean he got a fair trial. Uh, all the all his rights were protected except this one under international law, and uh, uh, it's it's concerning that we then vacate our sovereignty over to the world court and are concerned about what they say and how they treat our justice system. Uh, so it is a it is a case involving American sovereignty and if whether the, the Supreme Court's going to decide. Whether we give it up or not, that is going to be their call in this case. I hope they don't give it up. When will we know uh, their ruling? They will rule probably in June. They come down with their rulings uh, at the end of the term, which will be June. All right. Representative Poe, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your giving us so much time this week because this has been a tough one to understand. And uh, sometimes I still don't understand uh, what the Bush administration does. But we'll be watching and we'll appreciate your input. Thank you, Benna. That is Representative Ted Poe, a congressman from Texas. And, uh, of course, we're talking about this particular case that was argued before the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Chief counsel for the Alliance Defense Fund, Benjamin Bull, said that this case, whatever the ruling is, could result in U.S. laws being subjugated to United Nations resolutions and rules And he says it could be to the point where actually local police officers will have to spend more time studying international law than catching criminals. Because these police officers who arrested Medellin, apparently, 14 years later, they're saying now, well, he should have been told he could go see a consulate. And then a few years later, somebody told him that he had that right. And that is what started this whole ball rolling that's led to a case at the United States Supreme Court. We will report on it uh, when the court rules uh, in the summer. And meanwhile, I think this is a time that we pray for the justices, that they will make good decisions. And there's certainly room for all of us to be doing that. Well, we're going to continue talking about global warming, Al Gore, the Nobel Peace Prize, and an inconvenient truth. Joining us uh, next segment, I actually did an interview earlier in the day with our friend Mark Morano. He brings a lot of common sense and good science to the issue of global warming. We'll air that interview next on Jerry Johnson Live.
already won Way back before all the damage was done Now you're the number one favorite son So run, I'll run Will Al Gore now run for president? Hillary Clinton has congratulated him for winning the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, he says he will not run. He says that Hillary Clinton has a great machine going. Political consultant James Carville says there's a 25% chance Al Gore will run. Uh, a lot of the uh, friends of Gore, uh, political uh, cronies, are really remaining mum today as we talk about it. Uh, it's a good, uh, I guess it's a good speculation point. We'd love to know if you think he'll run. Uh, give us a call here on the program at 800-881-9270. I mentioned earlier that I did an interview with Mark Morano, who is Communications Director for the Senate Committee on Environment and Public Works. That committee is chaired by California Senator Barbara Boxer, and uh, the uh, ranking member is uh, Oklahoma Senator Jim Inhofe, who's been a great uh, voice um, of reason on global warming. Earlier today, I did do this interview. I asked Mark Morano, who is uh, one of our frequent guests here on the program, what he thinks about today's announcement about Al Gore. Whenever someone wins some kind of honor like that that's been around for a long time, and congratulations are in order to him. Uh, the question now becomes, what does this mean? And what was the uh, Nobel Committee thinking when they gave it to him? And uh, it's odd that it comes the very week that Al Gore was uh, chastised by the U.K. court system for originally 11 errors, and then it got reduced to nine errors, uh, major errors in his film, the, made, the biggest of all uh, being not showing the uh, CO2 temperature chart correctly uh, in terms – well, he showed it, he had it correctly, but implying that the CO2 leads temperature changes when in reality the temperature goes up followed by – well, Mark, uh, the reason Al Gore received the Peace Prize, of course, as you say, is because of the movie An Inconvenient Truth. Yeah. It's gained so much notoriety, and he received an Academy Award for it. Of course, there's all this buzz out here about him running for president, but let's leave that aside for a moment, because uh, to me, this further denigrates the value of the Nobel Peace Prize, because he's won it for basically what amounts to propaganda, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this is, first of all, not a committee of scientists. There's actually a Nobel Science Prize, which is uh, done, actually evaluated by scientists. This was not. This is a, essentially a political construct, which is actually, if you think about it, very appropriate. The United Nations co-shared this award. The United Nations is nothing but a political body. It is not 2,000 scientists, as we so often hear. First of all, to get that to 2,000 scientists, you have to include all the bureaucrats, all the, all the international politicians involved. Uh, in many of those scientists, the hundreds affiliated with it are climate skeptics, like Fred Singer, like Patrick Michaels. These are pr prominent climate skeptics, but yet they're all lumped together as though they all endorse the Al Gore UN view. So what's happened here... The UN is a self, uh, you know, a, a literally self-interested body that has to keep issuing these reports, or it would fail to exist. It's got its own, you know, self-interest. And then you have Al Gore, who's you know tied in hand in hand with that. And essentially, they are promoting a political agenda, and the science is absolutely not there. In fact, in 2007, peer-reviewed science, supposedly the gold standard for scientific review, is now starting to show that the even a doubling of CO2 would not have anywhere near the impact that any that the UN, that Al Gore, or anyone else is talking about. In fact, one father of meteorology recently said we could double CO2, uh, you know, in terms of human emissions, and it would literally be like spitting, have the same impact. We are finding study after study. The last ice age did not end because of CO2. We're finding the Danish National Space Center study of just uh, two weeks ago saying that the sun is the climate driver. 
absolutely collapsing. 2007 is the scientific tipping point for global warming alarmism, yet this, this whole thing comes out, and of course Gore will get a lot of positive publicity, and as you mentioned earlier, a lot of presidential speculation. Mark, I know the White House has congratulated him, just as you have, uh, but... Well, yeah, this is a big deal. I mean, regardless of whether you agree or disagree, and there's been many controversial figures that have it, I mean, this is a big deal in our pop culture, but again, it's, not, it's meaningless scientifically, but it's a big deal in terms of prestige, honor, and bragging rights. Well, what I want to ask about the White House is recently President Bush did have a meeting at the White House uh, about global warming. And so it's not that the Bush administration, even though they never did sign in on the Kyoto Treaty, treaty and they seem disinclined to put our country under some kind of a uh, U.N. global warming auspices, there's still a push to do something about climate change. And I think, you know, going beyond that, to work on the environment in certain ways that would have to do with technology rather than some uh, overarching organization dictating down to uh, businesses and to our country. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of the bills here. Um, one of them, the Lieberman Climate Bill, actually has a, a presidentially a, proposes to have a presidentially appointed carbon credit allocation board for the first time in U.S. history, putting a price on carbon, something we exhale out of our mouth. And you're talking about a presidentially appointed board that's going to set a price. This is like Hillary Healthcare on steroids, because when you start, as Richard Lindzen said, he who controls carbon controls life. It is a bureaucrat's dream to do this. You can control every level of economic activity. The environmental movement. Has has been trying for more and more regulations since the movement was spawned in the 1960s. And to have the ability to control CO2 is literally the holy grail of regulatory power. And that's what they want, and that's what they're gunning for. Uh, but when, but, but when you uh, look at Al Gore, you look at the, the science of this year, the most important thing is the science is now is collapsing under him. Even scientists who are part of the so-called media-engineered consensus are now authoring studies completely contrary to what the UN's doing. It's actually quite embarrassing for people reading this and keeping up with this study. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's truly significant. At our website, epw.senate.gov, uh, if you go to the blog section on the left side, we actually have like a five or 6,000-word report that details almost a huge sampling of all the new studies and the scientists speaking out. Mark Morano is with me, again, Communications Director for the Senate Committee on the Environment and Public Works. And, Mark, uh, of course, the timing is interesting with this uh, judicial ruling out of the U.K. saying there are nine errors in Al Gore's uh, climate change film, The Inconvenient Truth. So when they show it to students in the schools in that particular jurisdiction, there has to be some sort of a disclaimer on it. It'd be nice if that would happen here in this country. But you mentioned CO2 uh, misinformation. What about some of the other nine errors. For instance, I'm seeing uh, Hurricane Katrina. I mean, he was so clear in that movie and other times blaming hurricanes on global warming. What about that? Well, I mean, interestingly enough, they used, they rode 2005, and they being the global warming fear mongers, uh, to say, oh, look, see, see, look what's happening. And then 2006, quiet. 2007 looks to be very quiet. I mean, that could change, but it looks unlikely at this point. We're well over halfway through the season. Uh, and the recent peer-reviewed studies, again, this is a highly controversial subject that even a warming atmosphere, what impact it would have on hurricanes. The science is not there. He overreached on that. He overreached on the snows at Kilimanjaro that started melting long before CO2 emissions. Uh, he overreached on Lake Chad. Series of errors in this film. The polar bears? And the polar, but the polar bears, that entire thing, much like this entire global warming debate, exists 
in computer models. Currently, this is factual information. Environmental groups can see this. Even the, you know, the, um, the, the people most concerned about polar bears can see the following. They are at near historic or at historic population highs in the Arctic, up some, you know, five, to, you know, some estimates even more times the number we had in the 50s and 60s. In addition to that, the warmer areas of the Arctic, uh, polar bears are thriving where the less ice is, the southern Arctic. Uh, they are actually some of the biggest ever recorded and some of the biggest gains they've ever had in the Canadian Arctic. The entire threat to polar bears exists in computer models of the future. That is it. And those computer models generally, according to the biologists uh, that we're citing here, have actually, that don't even ad- account for the animal's adaptability, assuming, again, assuming that this Arctic melt happened. This whole debate is entirely generated by computer model climate fair. It, even the New York Times has acknowledged the Earth is currently well within natural variability. The 20th century is not unusually warm. I mean, it's warmer than the coming out of the Little Ice Age, but there's nothing unusual about it. 21st century, actually, temperatures have flatlined for most of this first decade, if not gone up. Uh, and so when you look at that, the only thing they have is hyping unproven computer model fares, which you can't prove wrong today, and that's the, the, the entire debate is about computer models, and that is, that is, what, that is what people do not understand. And then you, then you add to that that key U.N. scientists now have no confidence in these computer right. models. They don't account for half the variability. Mark, one final question, because, uh, you know, I don't think that Al Gore will run for president. He has already said that Hillary Clinton has a machine going, and I doubt he's going to jump in. You know, maybe he will, but let's assume that he does not. He's still going to have a great impact on that particular policy agenda for the Democrat Party. Whether or not a Democrat gets into the White House, uh, they are very powerful in Congress. So what do you think this Peace Prize, in a sense it legitimizes his statements, even though many of them are based on bad, bad, bad science. But what does this do for that agenda to push forward global warming, uh, the idea that humans created it, and then we need to spend lots of money and take away lots of our freedom to fight it? Well, I mean, this is, among certain circles, this is going to be a ha-ha, look at this, now we have validity. Keep in mind, this award was given to the U.N. and to Al Gore based on the fact that somehow global warming is going to cause an increase in war. Well, the thing that's going to cause an increase in war is empowering international bodies and more governments to have the power, literally the power of life and death when it comes to the developed world. You're going to have uh, international bureaucracies deciding what countries in Africa can get running water, electricity, infrastructure, whether this infrastructure project is eco-friendly. You're going to have international bureaucrats flying in wealthy Westerners, flying into poor regions of South America, Africa, trying to decide, well, should, should they be allowed to do this? Can the earth handle it? And this is the kind of thing, when you turn that much of, the, of your uh, life, as I mentioned, CO2 means life in terms of it's, it's literally a, a uh, who controls CO2 controls life, you literally will have more power in international bureaucracy, more economic power regulated by government, and you're going to have you know, regulations within you know, continents and deciding who does what in a country. That is a recipe for war, and that is a recipe for future conflict, not natural climate changes and adaptability, uh, again, based on unproven computer models. That's Mark Morano, and uh, he's always a voice of reason on this issue of global warming. And uh, it's amazing. There was a report uh, done a few months ago by the Rasmussen Group, and they say that just 24% of Americans consider Gore an expert on global warming. Next up, we'll take your calls on this issue, 800-881-9270. Stay with us. 
If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. Okay, well, uh, what I don't understand is uh, with this court case is what part of illegal do people not understand? That was one of our callers earlier in the program talking about this Medellin versus Texas case. And uh, it's going to be a watershed case. It really could bring the U.S. criminal justice system into sort of a brave new world uh, with the United Nations giving it instructions and giving it regulations and issuing uh, orders. And that's why the Supreme Court needs to do the right thing on this. Uh, The United Nations is a body that was created to sort of be some sort of a, not an alliance, but just a forum for organizations to get together and do good uh, in the world. And it's become a force uh, for evil in many cases, uh, especially when it comes to one international body telling sovereign governments what they can do and telling uh, our court system, which is the best in the world, what to do. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know, when I look at some of these uh, various stories that we've seen this week having to do with illegal immigrants, as uh, this particular man was illegally in this country, and now he's receiving all these protections from the U.N., you know, there are other stories saying that uh, the Supreme Court has actually agreed to rule on uh, whether voters have to show photo ID in Indiana, because this is to prove that they are legally in this country. There's also uh, an amendment to a Justice Department appropriations bill that was approved by the House this week that would actually prohibit the use of federal funds to enforce the prison sentences of two U.S. Border Control agents. Uh, Remember this Ramos and Compian case where uh, they are actually right now in prison for enforcing our borders uh, against an illegal who was coming across and who was actually running drugs. And then the ex-Mexican president, uh, Vincente Fox, this week, in in another story on this issue, said that the U.S. is letting racism dictate its policies. So illegal immigration is in the news in many cases. And uh, so... You know, we need to just be aware of uh, the ways in which the United Nations and also just this attitude toward open borders is encroaching on our policies. Well, a program note, a couple of program notes for next week. Peter Singer, who is a Princeton professor, uh, he's a uh, quote-unquote bioethicist, 
And uh, he is going to be on the program on Tuesday talking about uh, are animals as important as humans? Should they have the same inherent rights as humans? It's going to be a very interesting program. He actually thinks they do. He equates uh, human beings with animal rights. So that will be very interesting. And of course, as we've been mentioning all week, Ann Coulter uh, will be uh, joining us on Thursday. Well, I also want to mention uh, something that I've seen in the Dallas Morning News. It's sort of an insert, and it celebrates uh, National Coming Out Day, which was this week. Uh, Coming out, of course, meaning homosexuals coming out and declaring their homosexuality. And it has a picture of uh, Episcopal Bishop Eugene Robinson, uh, says, uh, be who you are, spirit and truth, gay bishop, family, find common ground. Uh, talks about um, religious leaders endorsing fairness and rede- uh, rejecting hate. And uh, part of that is something that's also going on in the United States Congress. Uh, the Methodist Lobby Office, contrary to most of the people in the Methodist Church, the official position now of the United Methodist Church is to endorse a piece of legislation that Congress is considering right now, the Employment Non-Discrimination Act. Now, this legislation, we've talked about it before on the program, basically says that an employer cannot refuse to hire, cannot fire, or refuse to promote someone based on their sexual orientation. There's been a big battle uh, uh, between the homosexual lobby, the human rights campaign, And now a certain segment of that lobby, which is the transgenders, because there's been a deal made. Uh, Barney Frank, who is a homosexual congressman from Massachusetts, he's been shepherding this ENDA legislation through the Congress. The House will be actually considering it, I believe, next week. And he has had to say, "Okay, we're going to leave the transgenders out of this. Because so many people were repulsed by the fact that somebody, uh, an employer, would have to hire a transgender or keep a transgender on as they were changing their sexual orientation. So in order to get the end of bill passed, Barney Frank agreed to throw the transgender uh, section of it out. And the transgenders are very upset, and many of the homosexuals are standing with them. So they could be actually uh, deep-sixing their own legislation, which would be very interesting because it's an issue that's been very hard for Republicans. People are saying, uh, well, this is just employment equality. But what it really is, is uh, it's a way of regulating employers, uh, who they hire, their hiring decisions, their firing decisions. It would be a legal nightmare as people begin to sue their employers saying, hey, you are just uh, refusing to promote me because of my sexual orientation. So this is what our Congress is uh, battling right now. And uh, as we look at uh, the Dallas Morning News promoting homosexuality, it kind of makes you wonder uh, about what will be in the future with regard to these issues having to do with the advancement of homosexuality. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking about global warming, and we've been making a little bit of fun uh, of the Inconvenient Truth movie, which has got a lot of uh, untruth in it. We've been making fun of Al Gore and uh, the fact that he's got this Nobel Peace Prize now, which, you know, in some hearts and minds may lend some legitimacy to his arguments for global warming. But uh, really, we're not saying that Christians should not take care of the environment. As a matter of fact, Christians should be, of all people, more concerned about the environment. I mean, in the book of Genesis, right there at the beginning, God uh, 
God's creation of the earth. The story is told, and God commands man, in verse 28 of Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Uh, And, of course, he's talking about, there in the Bible, he is talking about our stewardship over the earth. We do have a stewardship over the earth, but we also have uh, a superiority to the rest of creation. Man was made in the image of God, and the rest of creation exists for the benefit of man. And when you own something, you usually try to take care of it. And that's what we really need to do it as Christians. We need to take care of our earth. Of course we need to conserve. We need not to pollute. We need not to litter. We need not to put too much uh, into the environment that would harm it. But man is more important than the earth. And, uh, you know, when Al Gore talks about the earth, he almost talks about it like it's a religious, like it's a god, like it's Gaia, like it's Mother Earth. And that's not what we are to do with the earth. We are not to worship the earth. We are to care for the earth. There's a big difference there, and I think it's a difference that we Christians need to keep in mind as uh, we continue in this debate over global warming that is not uh, that is going to uh, heat up as the political debate over it continues. You know, it's not a hysterical agenda as Al Gore makes it. It's a common sense agenda. And I think uh, as we continue to make those common sense arguments, we can come back to the book of Genesis. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you have a nice weekend. Join us next week. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.